So good morning to everyone. It's April 3rd, 2022. And uh, just recovering from a little flu. So I hope I don't start coughing in the middle of the class, but I'll do my best. Uh, so Srimad Bhagavatam. Today, of course, we're doing um, verse 1. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I'm sure I know. Uh, actually, let me check, see exactly what verse it is. I have it here. 11542. 11542. So, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So the verses Chitre Hutwa Chapanchatwam Tachaikatwe Juhuni Sarvam Atmanyaju Havit Brahmanyatmanam Abhyaye. So Prabhupada translates, this is uh, a technical description of yoga. Thus amalgamating the gross body of five elements into the three qualitative modes of material nature. He, Yudhisthira, merged the modes into one nescience and then absorbed that nescience into the self Brahman, which is inexhaustible in all circumstances. So we'll look a little more closely at the Sanskrit here. Tree, tree means three. So tree twe means literally in the threeness or in, in that which is three. And here refers to, uh, as Prabhupada describes the three modes of nature. So hutwa. Prabhupada translates in the word for word, having offered hutwas, of course, from the verb hu, which means to offer, sacrifice. It's a common word. So having offered, which Prabhupada then in the verse translation translates as amalgamating, having offered the panchatvam, the fiveness, or the group of five, you could say, having offered the group of five into the group of three. So this is uh, pancha. He refers to the five gross elements: earth, water, fire, air, and sky. And of course, it's talking about Yudhisthira's physical body. So he, if you study the Sankhya philosophy, in the third canto of the Bhagavatam, or even in the Gita, really, we find that material things sort of emerge out of the modes of nature, and so it's like returning everything. It's like we borrowed the body and now we're giving it back. So another very important thing to remember is that this is not happening physically. This is only happening mentally. Because what we'll see is after you just sort of returns everything, it's like you, you know, check a book out of a library and then bring it back. So you haven't got the book anymore. But but after you just merges or amalgamates one thing into another, 
he's still active on earth. He still has a body. He's still walking around and, you know, speaking sometimes. So this is really about his attitude, his state of consciousness. He's not literally giving up his body physically yet, but it's, it's like a, um, the idea here really is that before nature or God literally takes your body away, because when we die, uh, of course the soul doesn't die, but when death occurs for the body, then literally, physically, you give up the body, you lose the body. That's not happening here. So the idea, the idea, which is very interesting, is that before you physically give up the body, mentally give it up. Because if mentally, if in your consciousness you've given up the body, and uh, when you when you physically lose everything at, at the physical death, you've already let go of it. You already gave up any sense that this is mine. And so that will clear your way for a very smooth spiritual passage from this world. For example, let's say a man has some money and he's attached to it, but before he dies, he literally gives everything to charity. So at the time of death, he has no attachments because he already gave it away. So tritwe hutwacha panchatvam tatcha, and that group of five, having given, I'm sorry, the group of three, having given the five unto the three, and then that, the modes of nature, because our whole life is really, our material life is all about the modes of nature. I mean, the food we like, the people we, we, I mean, the places, everything. You know, this is not on the spiritual. Our spiritual preferences are different, but on the material platform, everything's modes of nature. So merging the five into the three and then the three into the one. Ajuhon muni. Ajuhon is the same word as hutwa. So it's the same verb having offered, and then the Muni. And Yudhisthira is called a Muni because he's not acting like a king here. He's not acting like a, a, an ordinary human being. He's acting like a yogi. So then the Muni, the sage, the wise one, he offered the three into the one. And so Prabhupada translates that uh, into one nescience in his word for word, and then in his purport, he's, I'm sorry, his translation, he says, he merged the modes into one nescience, and then observed absorb that nescience into the self. So, of course, the one doesn't literally mean nescience, it means the one in, into oneness. But since we have the three physical elements of the body going in, I'm sorry, the five, the five physical elements merging into the three modes of nature. And ultimately, all of that just merges into material nature in general, just the total material energy or the nescience, as it's sometimes called in the Isopanishad. The material world is called avidya, simply the ignorance or the nescience. So, so the five into the three, the three and just to the one, just 
matter, material nature in general. And then all of that, again, the same verb. So hutwa, ajuhon, and ajuhavid. It's poetic Sanskrit. It's all the same verb in Sanskrit, just different tenses. And all that he merged uh, into the self. And then absorbed the nations into the self, Brahman, which is inexhaustible in all circumstances. So Prabhupada here takes the words uh, Atmani and Brahmani to be an apposition, not opposition, which is a grammatical term meaning they're referring to the same thing. So the self is Brahman. Sarvam Atmi Jugavid Brahmani. Which this is uh, of course grammatically the right translation. I won't go into all the technical details, but it, it's definitely that's what it says here. And so what does it mean to merge all of this, all of material nature into or to offer it to the self? Prabhupada says that absorbed that nescience into the self Brahman. So obviously Yudhisthira here is having a powerful self-realization experience. He's seen himself as a soul, as Brahman. So Brahman is the nature of of ourself and the actual self. Atma. Well, actually, I, I put it this way: we are Atma, we are selves, and then the nature of that self is Brahman. That's that's what souls are made of. Just to use a crude expression, they're made of Brahman. So, into the Brahman, which is abhyaye, unperishing, inexhaustible, unperishing. So that means, so what does it mean to offer it to? Because the verb here used is, um, Prabhupada says, absorb that nations into the self. But the actual word in Sanskrit is not literally absorbed. It's um, ajuhavit, which is a form, past tense, uh, imperfect past tense of the verb who to offer just as a juhot and who so what does it mean to offer this to offer the self uh to offer all of that all of material nature uh into the self um, to offer it, it means that, as, as I, one thing I can see is that when we come to this material world, Krishna offers us, offers us the resources of the material world in the form of various bodies and the objects that our bodies experience. Krishna offers us all these resources so that we can uh, have experiences experiences which are ultimately purifying and educational. And so the universe is created in such a way, the laws of karma are set up in such a way that through all these experiences, 
we gradually become self-realized. We gradually understand that we, we have nothing to do with this material world and we are pure souls. So in a sense, you just here by being able to differentiate between all these things, the five elements of the body, the three modes of nature, material nature in general, and then his self, uh, he's sort of reversing the process of falling into the material world. When you come into the material world, you get a material body and you kind of misidentify everything in various ways. And now he's straightened all, he's showing that he has understood everything. Not that he was ever a conditioned soul, but he's giving this example. And just as one comes into the material world, now he's extracting himself from the world and everything's being separated categorically. And actually, I want to correct one thing that I said before. Um, the word, um, and then absorb, in, which is actually, uh, technically, there are four things going on here. The translation indicates three, but actually there are four things. There's merging the five into the three, the three into the one, and then all of that, the one, into the self. But then the word Admanam indicates that then Yudhishthir offered the self into the unperishing Brahman. Anyway, uh, because I, I don't know if you want to hear all the grammar. Because Admanam is the accusative, it's the object of the verb, so it's, anyway, I'll, won't go into all that now. If I had a blackboard, I could show it to you. So, so actually, Yudhisthira also offered himself into the absolute truth, Krishna or God. So this, it's actually four things. It's the five into the three, the three into the one, uh, the one into the, which is material nature, into the self, and the self into the absolute truth, Krishna. So he offered himself to the absolute truth. So these four, it's a four-stage process here, actually. The translation mentions three of those. But granted, they're actually these four. The fourth one being merging itself into Brahman. Not merging, actually. Again, that's not what it says in Sanskrit. It's offering. So, so you just are offered the self to the absolute truth. A little technical there. So... But again, these things are just going on in terms of consciousness. It's not, it's not a physical process that's going on, we know, because in the very next verse, Yudhisthira is still doing things in the world. He still has a body and he's still using it. So the next verse says, Chita Vasa. So he dressed in uh, torn clothing or rags. So he's obviously given up all of his royal garments, and he's dressing now like a mendicant. Chita Vasa, so dressed in torn clothing or rags. Niraharo, and uh, ahara means uh, often eating, so near aharo means not eating, fasting. So Prabhupada says, gave up all solid food stuff. Uh, Krishna uses the word nirahara. 
in the famous Bhagavad Gita verse that Vishaya um, Vinivartante Nirahara, that verse which is translated as experiencing a higher taste, which of course not literally the verse says, just says seeing something higher, one gives up lower things. So um, Nirahara, not eating, Bhantavak, uh, literally like sealing his voice or binding binding his voice, which means not speaking. Prophet said, stop talking. Mukta Murdhaja, and he stopped, uh, literally he undid his hair because, you know, they had hair and they combed it, or if you had long hair, you would arrange it in different ways so that you didn't look like a big mess. But he just, he sort of undid his hair, Mukta, he released it like, release liberation he released his murtaja murtaja literally means head born born from your head which is a word for hair Urta means head and jami is born so he just released his hair didn't groom himself darshayan atmano rupam uh how's uh it literally means uh Showing the form of the self. Rupam. So that's literally what it says. Darsian began to show, Prabhupada says in the word for word, Apana of himself, Rupam, the bodily features. Well, because he's just wearing rags, so he's not, I mean, normally people would dress very nicely, so he's just and it also means literally showing the form of his soul, of his of his true self. Because he was acting like a king, he was acting like a member of a family, but actually he's just a pure soul attached to Krishna. So in that sense, he's also showing the form of his true self. Jada unmata pisachavad. So uh, like a person who is jada, which can mean dumb, literally not speaking, can also like jadbarat. Jadbharata, that uh, the king who just uh, acted like someone who's just sort of stupid or can't speak. So he just, so Yudhisthira stopped interacting with the world, unmata, like a crazy person, mad. Pishachavat, uh, Prabhupada says, just like an urchin. So uh, the word, that's the word pishacha which can mean different things. I'm just going to also take a look quickly in the Sanskrit dictionary. So pishachas are also a class of demons. Uh, you know, fiend, like pishachas are always mentioned in the list of like, you know, spooky creatures. An ogre, a demon, malevolent or devilish being, so uh, that's what I thought it meant. And that's the way it's usually used. So Bishachavat can simply mean like just like a mad person, like like a haunted. I think that would be the probably the most accurate way to translate it, like a haunted person that just, you know, is not really there. Unmata, mad, haunted, uh, dumb, not speaking. And so why? I mean, why act like that? 
Well, it's one radical way to get complete privacy because people don't like to associate with people who are mad or, you know, haunted or not talking. It's people, to say the least, avoid persons like that. So it's a way to, that's what Jad Bharata did, Jada Bharata. It's a way to uh, really have no one in the world bother you and no one talk to you and you just live in your own spiritual space. It's an interesting technique. So, Anavekshamana, which Prabhupada says, uh, he did not depend on his brothers for everything. So, Anavekshamana, and then Niragat, he left, he went out, literally he went out. Ashrinvan, uh, not hearing, as if he were deaf. As if you were a deaf person, if you talked to him, he just wouldn't answer. It would be like he didn't hear you. So he was just totally, totally disconnected from the world. If you, if, you, if you spoke to him, he wouldn't answer you. He just, and so it was a way of completely giving up the world. This is like Jada Yoga. It's like Jad Bharat, sort of the, he's doing the same thing where you just, you're not available to the world anymore for anything, not for conversation, not for anything. And the word uh, anavekshamana, wanna, uh, one second. Okay, uh, I know. It's, uh, so the verb aveksh in Sanskrit means to look towards, to look at, behold, to perceive, absorb, uh, observe, experience. So anaveksh, it means you're just, it means he just wasn't looking at anybody. He wasn't uh, paying attention to anyone. Prabhupada translates that uh, without waiting for his brothers. In other words, he was not concerned. Are my brothers also renouncing the world? They need my help. Is their yoga going well? He just, so all these words, which are related words show that it just shows that in, in the strongest sense he's completely uh, tuned out, as we might say it, of the world. He's just totally not reacting to or interested in or interacting with the world. So then, including with his brothers, Prabhupada mentions, then Udichim Pravivesha Asham. Literally, he departed for, entered the northern direction. And this is very common in India because the north means <clears throat> the Himalayan mountains. So if it says someone went to the north, it means they're giving up the world. All the comforts of life, all the comforts of life and family, that's all south of the mountains. It's just like when the, when the Pandavas, they grew up in our childhood with their father Pandu up in the mountains and then when he passed away and Madri passed away they, they went south they came back down into so to speak normal or civilization cities and towns and farms and you know regular food and just everything <coughs> you know that's where almost everybody lives so here it says he departed <coughs> 
to the northern or he entered the northern direction or departed for the northern direction it means he's now physically giving up the world first he mentally gave up the world now he's physically giving up the world and gatapur vam mahatma uh, be and so that direction asham asham means the direction which is the udichim asham the northern direction that he's going to had been gone to previously gutta both these words actually got to purvam we still have english words gutta is just gone go so and purvam is previous so both these words we still have echoes in english so gone previously so got the purvam be mahatma be by great souls so the northern direction had been gone to previously by great souls in other words it's a tradition it's a custom it's what you do, or it's one of the things you can do. <clears throat> and then Hridi in his heart, Parang Hridi Brahma Parang Jayan, meditating, Jayan, meditating on the Supreme Brahman in his heart. Meditating on the Supreme Brahman in his heart. Navarteta Jato Gataha. He would not turn back from where he had gone, literally. No, so avarteta means uh, that he would turn back or he could turn back. So na, he would not turn back yato from where gata he had gone. In other words, if he took a step toward the north, he literally would not take a step back. Uh, you know, assuming obviously at night you stop, you have to rest, the body has to rest. But so... Whatever point he reached <clears throat> on his journey to the north, he would not take a step back. He would not turn back a step. So, beautiful verse. So, I'll stop there for today. And we'll see if there are any questions. Let's see. Um, that was an interesting set of verses, actually. Um, thank you for your comments. If I miss a question, I'm sure I will be told about it. Uh, Jagatpalana. It seems that in the West, the mind has consciousness while Krishna lists it as one of the eightfold dead material elements, minna prakriti No, he doesn't actually. What Krishna lists as material elements are manas manobudhir ahankara, the mind, the, uh, the analytic faculty, buddhi, and ahankara, false ego. These are just faculties or instruments that the pure soul uses but consciousness itself pure consciousness belongs to the soul who's simply using these material faculties in this world uh let's see Jagapana. we are made of brahman brahman is impersonal the atma is impersonal nope nope 
Brahman just means spirit. It can be used as a type of jargon in, in, in certain philosophical contexts. It can mean uh, it can mean the impersonal Brahman, but that's just one specific use of it. It can, it can mean the absolute truth. It can mean God. It can just mean the spirit as opposed to matter. So it means all those things. If you look it up in the dictionary, it doesn't always at all mean uh, something impersonal. So, Ramananda, uh, thanks for your wishes. It sounds like you have a cold. Yeah, yeah, you actually got that right. I'm getting over it now. It's just the cough. If variety and different experiences come about due to the mixing of the gunas, where does variety come from if there's only one guna? Oh, you put vasudha. It's actually vishuddha. Vishuddha sattva. Um, actually, the word vasudha that you wrote technically means the earth, which the holder of resources. Vasu can mean resources and da, but anyway, you won't be penalized for that misspelling. So, uh, where does variety come from? Well, the variety comes from spiritual reality. For example, Krishna. Krishna is God and we are not God. So there's variety or Krishna has arms and legs and he's blue and his eyes are not blue. So um, there's variety everywhere. In the spiritual world, there are trees, there are coward boys and gopis. There are resonances built of Shintamani spiritual gems. So there's lots of variety in the spiritual world. And, but if you're going to <clears throat> create a, a perverted reflection or a shadow, a shadow of a world of variety, then in a sense, there will be a certain variety in the shadow. I mean, of course, in this world, shadows don't have colors, but they do have different, they have varieties of shape, depending on what it's the shadow of. So, um, yeah, the variety of this world is just meant to create the reflection. I mean, here, rather than a shadow, a better analogy would be like a reflection. If, for example, a, uh, an apple tree, which has, you know, green leaves and red fruits and a brown bark and different shapes and everything, so that's all variety. And then if you look at the reflection of it in a mirror or in any reflecting medium in clear water or or whatever then that same variety is there the variety of shape and color so the reflection of variety also has variety in this world so it's the gunas that sort of construct the variety which reflects the eternal variety so next question uh it's a two-part question. Would you please explain liberation? Does it denote a location, destination, or is it the awareness of ourselves as pure? So it's both. For example, let's say someone has forgotten their real home, and then they remember it. Oh, yeah, my real home is actually over in that place. So at that point, you're free of the illusion of forgetting your real home, 
but you may still have to physically go there. So there's Jivan Mukta, there's liberation even in this life when we remember that we are eternal souls and that we really are real home. This is with Krishna in the spiritual world. So that's a form of liberation because we are free from ignorance. We're free from illusion. And we start to experience life as souls. And then there's the actual going there. Although even in this life, even while we're in this world, if someone is liberated, they can experience the spiritual world. So how is Sarup to be understood for a liberated person? Well, first of all, if someone doesn't have bhakti, they don't have experience of their sarupa because if someone is liberated and doesn't have bhakti, that sounds like impersonal liberation in which the person actually doesn't know they even have a spiritual body. So that's why impersonal liberation is not full understanding. There's a verse in uh, Portuguese, which I'll translate. In what time or date or yuga approximately the Srimad Bhagavatam was recited for the first time by Vyasdeva by Narada to Vyas. Uh, well, first of all, there is no first time because uh, what, what Lord Chaitanya explains in the um, Chaitanya Bhagavat to, to um, he explains it to, um, oh my God, I can't Devananda Pandit. He explains that um, the Bhagavatam is like Krishna's avatars that are eternally sort of cycling through the universes. But in terms of the Bhagavatam being recited in this, I mean, the Bhagavatam itself talks about Brahma speaking to Narda and Narda speaking to Vyas and so on. And Narda also speaking to Yudhisthira. So it's the Bhagavatam is eternal and it's spoken many times and places. So nowadays devotees who are about to leave the body surround themselves with devotees to hear Kirtan, the Bhagavatam, etc. Why did not the Pandavas do the same and remained absorbed in Krishna Kata? Thank you. Um, well, because the Pandavas, I guess the simple answer is, didn't need it. They were completely absorbed in Krishna. We, if we have noticed that we're going to leave the world, then we do surround ourselves with devotees and kirtan and so on to help us. <clears throat> but on the level of the Pandavas, uh, they actually, they didn't need that. They were already with Krishna. They were, these are not ordinary persons, they're extremely advanced, so it's just practical. So, Lilakar, uh, <clears throat> again, two questions. Uh, Sudha Prabhupada writes in the purport, text 42, when one is thus inclined to become an associate of the Supreme Lord, the personality of Godhead, and one of the innumerable planets of the spiritual sky, especially in Guloka Vrindavan, one has to think always that he is different from the material energy. How is this possible? Uh, by practicing bhakti yoga. Prabhupada gave us a beautiful, perfect process called bhakti yoga. If we practice it seriously, we will make advancement. So, uh, second question didn't come in because you too much space, took up too much space. So I guess that's it for today.
Uh, so, thank you very much for your kind uh, comments, and I hope you are all well. I hope you're a little healthier than me. I mean, I'm okay. I just, you know, it's a post-flu cough. And um, we're very fortunate. We're very fortunate that uh, we're alive. We know about Krishna, and we have the freedom to practice Krishna consciousness. So we have all good fortune. So wish everyone, uh, hope everyone has a good week. Hope we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, next week, sorry. Well, if you fly in, I will see you tomorrow. But I hope we'll all be together again next week. Hare Krishna.